When you ask a child, what is it that they are afraid of? Most common responses are things like this. The dark, right? You ever ask your kids what they're afraid of? A lot of kids say the dark. Um, some kids are afraid of bugs. I know there's an exception to that rule. We have one little girl here that loves bugs, um, but my little girl does not. <laughs> Nor do I. I don't care for bugs. Um, snakes. Now those ones I still have a fear of, and I believe it is a godly righteous fear. I think God has given me that spirit over that thing, but I do not like it. Um, they are cursed, and that's why they crawl on the ground, and they're disgusting. Um, how about going to the doctor? You ever hear a kid talk about going to the doctor is their biggest fear? It was my biggest fear as a mom was taking my child to the doctor because I knew, I knew what we were going to be dealing with. And um, I used to have such anxiety before going to these doctor's visits because I would have to sit on top of my oldest child in order to get that shot. And it wasn't just so much the doctor as it was the shot, but he knew that he associated the doctor with the shot. And, um, and then I cried and he's crying, we're all crying. And um, I told my husband, I'm never doing that again. I'm like, you have to come. And then it took both of us to hold him down the next year. So fear. It's a natural response. One of my biggest fears as a kid was storms. Oh, I did not like storms at all. They, they scared me so bad. They were so loud. And I'm not talking just like the little rumble that would come through. I don't know. I think where my parents live, it's in a valley. And so and it's near a creek that runs by. I don't know. We would just get really bad storms. And um, I remember this one time as a kid, my parents were, um, were not home. And this was one of those storms, you know, like your windows would rattle. And they were not home, and we had a babysitter. And so if, our, if my former babysitter is watching online, I'm sorry, I'm ratting you out right now. Um, but this storm was so bad that it scared my babysitter. And, and so... She made us run out of the home over to the next door neighbor's house because it was so bad. And all I wanted was my mom. I was like, I don't want anything else right now. I just want my mom and my dad because that storm was just so wicked. And I, it was like a storm that you, a blanket over your head wasn't going to make it go away. You know, in those moments, you only want your mom or your dad. Well... Church, aren't we going through some crazy storms right now? You know, a lot of times we outgrow those fears. You know, and sometimes certain situations in our life will arise. And, you know, what we thought was an irrational fear as a kid, you know, sometimes can stir up. Or maybe you're really struggling with, you know, real gripping situations that you just, you don't know how you'll get over that fear. Well, we're going to look in Matthew we're going to look all over in our Bible this morning, so get ready to turn everywhere, okay? I have a lot of scripture for us today. But we're going to go to Matthew 8. And we are, if you read through Matthew 8, you see that Jesus was doing some major ministry. See, Jesus was healing a man of leprosy, and then he's healing the centurion's servant. Then he's healing Peter's mother-in-law, and he's driving out demons out of people. And the, and the Bible says that even everybody who was sick, he healed. And so Jesus is just going through all of this ministry, healing, and disciples are with him, and they're, they're experiencing all of this. 
And then we see Jesus gets into a boat with the disciples to move on from one place of ministry to go to the next. And here we see a very real human side of Jesus, a side that I can can really relate with. Let me read to you. Then he got out of the boat, and so we're starting in um, chapter 8, verse 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him, and without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, and so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Come on, right there. Jesus was sleeping. That's the part I can relate with. I love to sleep. (laughs) Jesus was sleeping. Ask my kids. I go to bed earlier than they do. And I, I rise up earlier than everybody else, though. But I love to go to sleep. I love that time. Here's Jesus just sleeping, being rocked by the waves. <laughs> Meanwhile, the disciples went to him and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now, I can sleep through most things, right? But not really. Ask my husband. I hear a creak in the door. I'm up. What happened? Who's there? You know, you ever get that suspicious feeling that there's someone in the room with you? It's usually a child overlooking you in the dark like this. Not saying anything. And then you feel like a jump start in your heart. Yeah, been there a few times. Nothing was waking Jesus up. Okay, this wasn't like some little like, you know, rock of in the boat, you know, this little rocking to sleep. No, the waves were literally crashing into the boat. Like, I'm sure Jesus was getting pretty wet. And meanwhile, he's just snoozing through this. So he must have been in a very deep state of rest. Um, and at such peace that not even a storm about him woke him up because God, he was truly fully God, but he was also fully man. Well, let's go on. I want to read Mark's um, version of this too, because not only did Matthew have a version, but Mark has a version here. So if we read over here in Mark 4, 35 through 41, it says that day when evening came, he said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side and leaving the crowd behind They took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So I shared last week in worship that um, I was at a conference and I was just singing these worship songs, and God was just downloading this into my spirit about sleep and rest and peace and authority and power. And I was just hearing from the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay, Lord, 
I will prepare this and I will speak your word. Like it's just, it was just so clear. Well then, as I'm going throughout my week and I'm asking the Lord to give me the words and to show me exactly what to do, as I, as I already felt that he did, but I was like, okay, well, help me piece this together. Meanwhile, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm teaching my class. And I'm teaching about Jonah and the whale. And the Lord said right there. And I said, wow, how am I going to relate these two, God? Watch and see. Ready to turn your Bible? Let's go to Jonah 1. So turn it, click it, whatever you got. And let's read Jonah 1, 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose. The ship threatened to break up, and all of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. And call on your God. Maybe he will notice us and we will not perish. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story of Jonah. But here, I find two very different situations. Two men sleeping. Very different reasons why. And I want to look at that and see what should we do? Who should we relate with? Who are we right now? Jonah was sleeping to escape. Jonah was running from God. He was running from obedience. He was running from his calling. He was running away from the people that God told him to go and serve. His sleep was one of spiritual dread. And I can't help but look at the two and ask, well, what's the difference here? They're both sleeping in a boat. How do they have this unnatural rest during this time? See, Jesus was sleeping in peace. He had complete serenity. He knew he was in full control. Jonah slept to avoid guilt. Jesus slept because he needed rest from his ministry. Jonah slept to evade his ministry. And here is a storm that God allowed. God allowed the storm where the, his disciples were in the boat and God caused the storm for Jonah. Okay, so God was in the midst of the storm. And here we see that Jesus is fine. He knows he's in complete control. He's just resting. He just served and gave and poured. And he came to a place where rest was good. Rest was a natural response. Rest is what he needed. Jonah, Jonah was running and he was avoiding and he was hiding. And God said, I'm going to get your attention. And church, I feel like we've been a lot like Jonah. We've been running. We've been hiding. And we're seeing God is getting our attention. 
See, the storm that happened on the storm of Galilee, those storms were very common and they would get wicked storms on that sea because of where its elevation level is and where how all the water pours into this, to this body of water. And so the fishermen were very aware of the kind of storms that they received. They knew how to work with them. These were experienced fishermen. They weren't just like, a bunch of hodgepodge, motley crew um, type of disciples, though they were in some ways, but they were fishermen. They knew exactly what they were doing in that boat. But when the storm came about, they were quickly to say, "What, what do we do? What do we do? And like Jonah, a lot of us are running. We're running away from what God is doing because we don't know how to respond We don't know if people are going to like what we say. People don't know how to take it when I say what I believe in because it's, it goes against, you know, PC, right? The political culture here, politically correct. You know, we just, it doesn't fit the narrative. And so therefore, if we say anything, we're instantly labeled, correct? So we just don't say anything at all. We're trying to escape. So what do we do when storms in the life arise? Stop trying to escape it. We're dealing with depression at an all-time high. We feel numb to some of the things that are going on in our lives right now. We're tired. Church, we're all very tired. Our nation is in turmoil. Is it feels like, doesn't this feel like the year of the endless battle? Endless keeps going on. And either this year has brought the best out in you or has brought the worst out in you. Never in my life have I seen so much bickering among each other, even among the bride. And I'm talking political. I'm talking the God forsaken mask. You know, we all have an opinion. We all have this and we're, we're all trying to figure it out. We're all saying, do this. No, be like this. And it's like, put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus. Stop scrolling or keep scrolling if you need to. Don't stop and, and focus and, and start picking a fight online. Oh my goodness, just shut it off if you need to. We don't serve man. So no matter what this outcome turns out, Our eyes are never to be on a man. Our eyes to be focused on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's never been about who's president, right? Come on, there's been kings in the Bible and what? They all rise and fall, correct? Come on, so our eyes need to be focused on Jesus. He's the perfecter of your faith. You know, Escaping doesn't work, but there are times where at home, I just need to tune things out. So I watch the same shows over and over and over again. And my, <laughs> and my family, they're like, oh, why are you watching this again? And I say, it's because I just, I don't want my brain to work right now. I don't, I, and, and actually, there's a reason why. Psychologists found, can I see? <laughs> Psychologists found repetition breeds affection. Less mental energy is needed to process. And I'm like, yes, 
That's what I just say. All the time, I, like, I just don't want my brain to work. I want something mindless, something that makes me laugh, something I don't have to think about, something that doesn't cause anxiety to well up within me. I just want to laugh. And that some things make me laugh that don't make others laugh in our family. So... <laughs> I watch a certain show over and over and over again. Thank God for that part of Netflix because I can just keep watching it over and over and over again. And I need that. But if that's my only dependence for peace, then there's a problem because my dependence can only come on God. And see, there's a term that's actually called escapism that people use. It's a form of disassociation that leads to self-destructive behaviors. That's where people start isolating themselves from their loved ones. They isolate themselves from their church. They isolate themselves from their friends because they refuse to deal with the reality that's in front of them. That's where we find addiction. That's where we find other destructive habits that are being formed because they're trying to escape what's happening. Instead of facing the waves, instead of facing the fear, they're running. And spiritually, we do this too. We do this to a point where our, we become so hard and we become so cynical that we are ineffective. Paul warns us about this. He was writing to the church in Ephesus here in Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 18. He, got, he says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futile thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Hard hearts equals separation from the life of God. Check your heart today. If you find that you're becoming overly cynical, and it's so easy right now, it's so easy right now, because you're being bombarded from all of these sources right now. And that's why I'm saying, church, if we don't wake up and put our eyes on Jesus, it's going to be so easy to become a hard heart. And when you have a hard heart, you're separated from the life of God. And what is in God? There is joy. There is peace. Come on, there, there is a sound mind when you have the mind of Christ. Stop trying to escape it. And do not panic and do not fear. Here in both stories, with Jonah and with Jesus, fear rises up. We see that the sailors on the ship with Jonah were frantic, just as the disciples with Jesus were in full panic mode. Now, mind you, these were not luxurious ships. These were not massive boats. No, they were probably very meek fishing boats. And I'm sure that they were feeling those waves. When you have water swamping in on you, Reality says we're going to die. We're going to drown, right? When you have water splashing you in your face, it's like, wait a minute, something's happening. This isn't right. This doesn't feel good, right? So I imagine that the fear and the terror is a natural response, right? How is one not to panic? I think we would all probably be feeling a little like on edge if you're out in the middle of the sea 
and like you're being tossed about. And so we're quick to say, oh yes, what, where was your faith? We're all naturally respond in fear. But here, the Lord just delivered people. He healed multitudes. The disciples were there the whole time and yet they're crying out, don't you care? Save us, we're gonna drown. Did they forget what they just experienced? They literally left the healing service and on their ride home, it got real, right? Have you ever been in the healing services and then on the ride home, you're having one of the biggest fights of your life with your spouse because, I don't know. No, it doesn't happen to you? No? Come on, let's get real. The power was in the boat with them, but their eyes weren't looking at Jesus. Their eyes were looking at the waves. I mean, they're literally feeling it. (laughs) This last weekend, I took out a deer. Stupid thing, jumped right in front of me. Had no time to respond. But when you know that the power of God is about you, I was going 70 miles per hour, which was the speed limit. Um, maybe over a couple. I don't know. Thank God I wasn't going 80. <laughs> 80 on 80 is easy, right? I was, I was, I was trying to adhere to the um, speed limit because it was dark. And, um, and there were a lot of deer that we saw earlier when it was daylight. But when it was dark, couldn't see anything. Well, this deer was massive and he hopped right. There was no time to respond because impact happened simultaneously as when I saw him. But if I would have seen, if I would have seen him, it's so easy to be distracted and swerve and that can cause more, more damage, more pain. So I know it was God that I didn't see him before, happened right upon impact, held my wheel real steady because it was drilled in my head as a teenager when I was learning to drive, you never ever swerve, never ever swerve. So I held on and hit that brake. And my H for my Honda is probably imprinted on his behind somewhere. (laughs) And we hit so hard. We didn't go into a spin. He didn't flip over my car. Airbags never deployed. It was all God. It was all God. But you know, just like that deer, we never know what, when it's about to happen. All you can do is not swerve, not close your eyes and pretend that it's not happening. Hold on tight and hit the brake and allow God, allow God. There was no cars around me at that point. It was amazing because when I was trying to get out to look at my car, they're flying by me. But God was in it the whole time. You don't see it especially when you look at the bill, you don't see that God moment, right? Thank God for insurance. Thank God that we had comprehensive insurance. (laughs) Because in those moments, I'm like, I don't know what I have. But God knows, right? He's there with us. The sailors with the boat with Jonah, they, they look at Jonah and they're like, how are you sleeping? How can you sleep in a moment like this? They knew that their natural reaction is to get up. Panic with us, scream with us, start praying. We don't know who to pray to. Who's your God? We've tried all these other gods. It's not working. Church, let me ask you a question. As the church of Jesus Christ, how can we sleep in a time like this? Look at what's happening. 
Look around us. Perhaps you're dealing with the fear and it's just gripping your soul and you're so afraid of what's about to happen. Come January, let me tell you, God is still on the throne. Fear is only gonna rob from you. It's only gonna steal from you. And we're using sleep as a way to not even face what's happening. Spiritually, we're auto-tuning the Holy Spirit out because we're so focused on the storm and the waves and the splashing in our face and our boat is filling up with water and we don't see a way out. So what is our answer? Jonah's sailors knew. They said, pray. They knew that the storm was not a natural storm. They knew that there was something they, they just couldn't weather through. And they said, get up and try to pray to your God. And Jonah knew in that moment that the chaos was because he was running. Church, do you think it's because we've been running for too long from the people that God has asked us to bring the message of truth to? Because there's a judgment that is coming, just as a judgment was coming to Nineveh. There's a judgment that is coming, and we have the answers. We have the hope. We have the truth. And if you're not using prayer, prayer is key. Prayer is what changes things. Colossians 4.2 tells us that if we devote ourselves to prayer, we need to be watchful and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually. How can we take comfort unless we're with the comforter? Prayer helps us to operate our faith. It, it's how we feel the presence of the Holy One with us. It's how we invite God to come and move. It's what he does best. Prayer isn't just petition. Prayer is thankfulness. Prayer is worship. Prayer is adoration. And prayer is positioning us. It's positioning us. Because I believe no matter what happens politically, we're about to see the church rise up in our place. But if we don't wake up, if we don't rise up, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Too many churches are still closed. Too many churches are still closed. And they're missing it. I understand what's going on. I get it. But I understand that I serve a God who is greater and unless we start utilizing our faith and proclaiming the truth, we're missing it. The oil lamps, are they on or are they off? Fix your eyes. Pray and fix your eyes on him. Jesus was with them the whole time in the boat. He's the one that's made all things. He made the water that they were riding on. Miracle after miracle, he showed them. You can trust him. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 tells us that fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. And we get some opposition online and we're ready to, to hide because it's just, it breaks our heart. We don't know how to deal with it. Turn off the comments. Set your eyes on him. Because the last part here says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
church, we've grown weary and we've lost heart. So we said, it's easier just to sleep through this. This will pass by. Keeping our eyes on Jesus is the only way that we are not going to keep growing weary and losing heart. If you put your eyes on the things of this world, if you put your eyes on other political leaders, you are going to feel the anxiousness that is rising up. You're going to feel it. If your eyes are constantly on the news as your only source, then yeah, you're going to feel it because it's, you've, you've lost track. You've lost focus. It's only Jesus. It's, it is so time for the church to rise boldly with unwavering confidence that we know the King of Kings, the Lamb of God who is on the throne. He's perfected your faith, church. Keep your eyes on him because he's still leading, he's still guiding, and he's still appointing. Pray. Fix your eyes on him. And thirdly, it's time to start speaking peace with power and authority. See, Jesus told his disciples, come on, let's go to the other side. In that moment, Jesus gave them the authority to take that boat to the other side. Jesus stayed with them, but he slept on that cushion. See, Jesus' words alone could have sent that boat right on over. But he told the disciples, come on, let's go. He gave them that position, get us to the other side while I, while I rest. Didn't mean that Jesus clocked out. He was resting. We need to rest. But there are times where it's time to stick the oar in and let's go to the other side. He allowed the disciples to take him there. So the disciples are panicking and they're waking him up saying, don't you even care, Jesus? Don't you even care? We're going to drown. So what does Jesus do? Jesus immediately responds to the situation. He didn't try to reason through it. Now waves. You're making my disciples feel nervous right now. Now, come on. He didn't try to process why the storm is there. Oh, is it because we behaved this way? Or is it because we're not supposed to go over here right now? Is this something that we, no. He spoke. Jesus used the authority and the power that was with him. And he told that storm, be quiet and be still. I'm a cleric personality, so I, I relate with Jesus in this. Like when I, when I need something from my children, I'm not going to reason. I'm not going to talk it through. No. We are going to be quiet right now, and we are going to be still. Come on, moms. Come on. After Jesus fixes the situation, he looks at his disciples and said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? What if the disciples in that moment tried to actually speak out? Now, some of us may think speaking to a physical storm is absolutely absurd, right? Because it's not natural, right? We're not looking at the storms outside and we're saying, 
be still right now. Like, how many of you do that? Maybe if it's really bad and you're scared, right? <laughs> no, but here, here's Jesus. Jesus operates in the miraculous, right? Hello, is this one? Jesus operates in the miraculous. Are you ready for something, church? If we possess the same spirit as Christ himself, shouldn't we be operating in the miraculous? Shouldn't we be seeing miracles every week? Shouldn't we be watching blessings of things multiplying in front of us? Where is our faith? What has happened? It is time to stop operating in fear and time to start operating in the spirit. Worship team, will you come on up? It's time for us to open our mouths and start speaking blessings and not curses anymore. It is time to start operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that is so beautifully laid out in his word because to each one he has given a measure. Jesus has already done everything absolutely necessary to secure the authority and power over sin, sickness, demons, and fear. He's done everything. He's completed it all. And he's given us the ability to move on in that. Let me turn to Mark 16. Starting in verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world, Preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Here, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes. Now, I don't recommend this. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place hands on sick people and they will get well. What if we had some godly doctors and nurses in COVID floors laying hands on people and we started seeing COVID being gone in the name of Jesus? Come on. Cancer. Cancer and, and HIV and AIDS gone in the name of Jesus. We start seeing limbs growing back from people who were in automobile accidents and lost a limb. Come on, that is the power of Jesus. And if, this, if it was in Jesus and it is in us now, why aren't we seeing it? It's because we're not walking in the power and the authority that he already gave us. It's time for the church to rise up and start speaking peace to that storm. It's time to stop sleeping in the bottom of the boat like Jonah, hoping that we just get through until he returns. It's time to wake up and tell the land full of the Ninevites that the Lord is coming back. And if we don't repent, this land will be destroyed. It's time to tell the world of the hope that we have in Jesus. It's time to start speaking peace over this nation. It's time. What I love about God's word is that it's full of promises. Let your faith be secure. Let it be fully rooted in him, knowing that you can speak with the authority and the power that Christ has already given you. 
one church. Let's stand up real quick. I believe that the Lord is calling us to a place of repentance first. If we want revival and we want to see the Lord pour out His Spirit on all flesh, it has to come first from a place of repentance. And you say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. We're living in a land full of Ninevites who are serving other gods. We're aborting our children and we're closing a blind eye to it because we don't want to come across as judgmental. We're we're watching people die by the droves of drug abuse and addiction because they are so broken and they need hope and they are so desperate that the only place where they can find that numb feeling is through a needle. But we serve a God who can set them free. We serve a God who can break the bondage of that addiction. We have become so numb that we weigh sin. Come on, church. Don't get quiet on me. We weigh sin. Sleeping with my boyfriend is not as bad as that sin. So I'll play house here because we're going to get married one day. Come on. We weigh sin. This is, and I'm, if I'm stepping on your toes, I'm so sorry. Put some steel, bo- steel boots on because I got stilettos this morning. But it's time to call sin what it is. It's sin, and sin separates us from God. You want to chase after God, you got to start removing it. You got to remove the sin out of your life because the only thing it does is like you, you stick a shackle on your leg and you're like trying to chase Jesus, but you're so afraid to release that shackle. When you rip off that shackle and you let him remove it from you, you're going to be able to run in stilettos or steel toe boots no matter what. Because the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will give you freedom in more ways than you ever imagined. And I don't want you to be like, oh, Alicia, that's so legalistic. If there's anybody who's not legalistic, it's me. Come on, this this pastor's wife is wearing these pleather leggings and some bright lipstick. I'm not about legalism. I'm about biblical living. Biblical living. What is the standard that Jesus is calling us to? Maybe there's a phone call you need to make because you've been having some angst against your brother or sister. It's time to let it go. Let the, let the bitter root go. Kill it today. Maybe you need to make some things right with the Lord. Get it right. But it's time for the church to come to a place of repentance. Not just for you, not just for this church, but for the church in general. It's time for the church to rise up. The world doesn't know what to be sorry about. They don't understand.
understand that they're living in sin or maybe they do and it's natural for them. But as a believer, God's called you to live supernaturally. God's asking you to live the standard that he laid out and it's not impossible. With him, all things are possible. raise your hands with me and let's just pray and then we're going to go into that song and then I'm going to speak blessing over us out of Isaiah Jesus we cry out to you Lord we're sorry we're sorry God that the church hasn't been what you've asked us to be Lord, we've been so consumed by being sensitive for new people to come in that they won't be offended or won't be scared off. Lord, we've been so focused on programs and making programs the best that they can be. When Jesus, you've asked us to come to a place of repentance, transforming our lives not so that we can just sing kupaya and hear God and leave feeling wonderful and refreshed but God that we would go out and compel them to come in forgive us God that we've lost track of the main thing God, we want your spirit to pour out. And so, Jesus, we know that we can't have your spirit pour out unless we come to a place of repentance. So, Lord, today we repent. Come on, church, pray with me. We repent today, God. Lord, we're turning from those wicked ways. take our eyes off of all political things right now. Taking our eyes off of what is happening. Jesus, you lead, you guide, you direct, you appoint. But Jesus, we keep our eyes fixed on you because no man can save us and no man can dictate, Lord, what the plans that you have. God, your plans supersede all no matter which direction this country chooses to go, the church will rise up and follow you. We follow you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, if we put somebody on a a, a pedestal or idolize somebody too much or at all. Bring us, Lord God, to that place with you. Jesus, let your will be done in this place. Let your will be done in our land, God. We give it to you, Jesus. We give it to you, Lord. You are the king. You are the alpha and the omega, God. From you, all things begin and end. We trust you. We trust you, Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, come and work in our hearts today.
come and work in our hearts, God. May we leave from this place forever changed, God, because your spirit is going before us, is in us, Lord, is throughout us, Lord, God. Thank you.